Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. Good morning. Good Thanksgiving Sunday morning. Uh, I'm thankful for a lot, but one of the things I'm most thankful for is you guys. I love Encounter Church. I love this family. Good morning to everybody watching uh, online or listening to this later. Of course, Thanksgiving Sunday, there's probably a lot of people out traveling and stuff, but I'm really glad you're here. Give yourselves a big hand for being here this morning. <laughs> so good to be in God's house with you guys, and uh, it's, been, it's been a couple of weeks, it's been a few weeks actually since I've been able to share the word, so I'm excited to be able to share a message from God's word uh, with you this morning, and as usual... Uh, if you'd like to follow along today's uh, message, the outline is available through the Bible app digitally, or there's a printed version back there available in the preaching uh, outline box. You can grab that if you want. Uh, as we draw near to the end of 2021, can you guys believe it? Just one more month left of 2021. All year long, our theme has been multiply, right? And uh, can, you, can you, before we get it on the screen, can you tell me what Acts 6 verse 7 says? Who can do it? I, mean, I want somebody to do it. Okay, I want you to raise your hand and see if you can do it. I'm going to come to you. Who can do it? Don't cheat. No looking in your Bible. No looking on the screen. It's not on the screen anyway. All right, come on. All right, here we go. Then the word of God spread and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly. Acts. Hey! Acts what? Acts 6, 7. Acts 6, 7, very good. Can anybody say it in Spanish? Can anybody say it in Spanish? Andale, que paso? Ya se me olvidó. Let me see. El mensaje de Dios siguió extendiéndose y el número de creyentes aumentó en gran manera. All right. <laughs> Hecho 6-7. All year long, our whole goal has been to see what? To multiply the... Multiply the culture of Jesus through the words of Jesus. And, you know, for the probably 40th time, the question is, how is it that the culture of Jesus gets multiplied in our culture? When the words of Jesus, right? When the words of Jesus, it said the word of God spread and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly. We know that disciples are people who follow and love and obey and imitate Jesus, right? And then make more disciples of Jesus. And the only way that that can infect a culture and change a culture, right, is when his words spread. And so we've been taking this whole year to read word for word through the gospel of Mark, every word. And you guys, we're almost there. Mark has 16 chapters, and today we're gonna finish 14, right? That leaves us two to go before Christmas, and I think we're, well, before the end of the year anyway, and I think we're going to do it. 
Today we're going to have sort of a a Bible marathon, if that's okay, a Bible reading marathon, because Mark 14 is, I believe it's the longest chapter in Mark, okay? And so we're going to spend most of our time in the Word today literally just reading through the Word, and then we're going to make a few observations there at the end. And uh, how many of you remember when we learned about Rhema? What's a Rhema? Remember logo, uh, Grafty, Logos, and... Graphy, Logos, and Rhema, right? Graphy is the, is the written word. It's what we see, right, when we read. Logos is the, the understanding, the truth that's in the word. But a Rhema is what? What God is speaking right now, the spoken word. Not just something that he spoke, but something he is speaking. It's alive. It's live the living word of God. And today I believe that we're going to get some rhema as we, here's another one that we've been doing, as we exegete, right? Exegete. What does it mean to exegete or exegesis? It means, right, to, it, 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 it has a big long explanation, but it means through analyzing the word of God to extract what? Truth, right? Meaning and truth, okay? And so today we're going to spend most of our time literally just reading through the scripture, but I believe that some ramas are going to pop out. I know that as I read through Mark 14, some ramas really came to me, and I believe that will be your case today. Man, so far, we've learned about baptisms. We've learned about purpose. We've learned about God's love for souls. All of this in Mark. We learned about the core values of the gospel. We've learned about what discipleship really is. We learned a Greek word. What, what, what's the Greek word for discipleship? Diatriba, which means to rub together, to rub off on one another, right? Jesus, we've learned about the importance of our spiritual family. We've learned about the right way to hear God's word. We've learned about kingdom discipleship. We learned about the the best way to keep the enemy out is to stay full of Jesus, right? To stay full of the Holy Spirit. We learned about the power of faith. We learned about the importance of awe. We learned about exegesis, the importance of, of reading and extracting the truth from God's word, right? We, we, I mean, we learned about having the right attitudes and right expectations and sticking with Jesus and sticking together and the matters of our heart. And we learned about Rama and mixed in there. We had some guest speakers. We had Pastor Mark Wallace. How many of you were here for that? We had uh, uh, Chris, Chris and Heidi, the Cones, here last weekend with us, the, the, those missionaries uh, from Zambia sharing with us. A few weeks ago, though, Pastor Julian shared with us uh, one part of Mark 14. Julian and I um, shared Mark 14 because it's so long, okay? So he took one part. I'm going to take the rest. How about that? Is that okay? Come on, how many of you were here the weekend of Mark 13? When we talked about the king is coming, right? (sighs) So much we've seen in the gospel of Mark, and we're almost to the end. Again, when Pastor Julian shared with us, we learned about the difference, the contrast between Mary and Judas. See if you can remember a little bit. Mary was a giver. Judas was a, a taker, right? Mary was humble, Judas was critical, prideful, right? Mary had undying devotion, and Judas ended up doing what? Betraying Jesus. And all of that we saw in 
parts of Mark 14, and we're still going to be, again, in Mark 14, we're going to spend most of our time there just reading today, and I want you to ask the Holy Spirit for a rhema. Are you ready? All right. So Pastor Julian read Mark 14, verses 1 through 12, and 19 through 26. Everybody say, Mary and Judas. So we're going to start with uh, the section there in the middle, uh, Mark uh, 14, 13 through 18, and then we're going to jump and proceed to, to 27. These are the parts that are left of Mark chapter 14. Are we ready? Are you sure? Remember the first part of Mark chapter 14, uh, the Passover is going to happen, and Mary comes and breaks open the alabaster uh, box of perfume on Jesus, and then... He tells his disciples, the disciples actually ask Jesus, where do you want us to go and prepare everything for the Passover meal? All right, are we ready to jump back in? Okay, we're going to start with verse 13. It says, and remember we're reading out of the Amplified. And he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him and say to the owner of the house he enters. The teacher asks, where's my guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He'll show you a large upstairs room furnished and ready with carpets and dining couches. Prepare the supper for us there. The disciples left and went to the city and found everything just as he told them, right? And they prepared the Passover. When it was evening, he came with the 12 disciples. While they were reclining at the table, Jesus Said, all right, what I want you to, to say before we read this is warning. warning. Tell your neighbor, warning. warning. Jesus said, I assure you and most solemnly say, this was a serious moment, that one of you will betray me. One who is eating with me. One of my friends, right? All right, now we're going to go forward to verse 27. We know that, you know, they, then they have the, the Last Supper. Pastor Julian already taught us about that, right? So after the Last Supper, they go out to the Mount of Olives. And then we get to verse 27. Jesus said to them, you will all fall away and be ashamed and afraid to be associated with me as disciples because it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. You guys following along? But after I've been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. But Peter said to him, even if they all fall away and desert you, ashamed and afraid of being associated with you, yet I will not do so. Right? <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> Jesus said to him, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, come on, say warning. So when Jesus says something solemn, it, it, it's, it's a warning, okay? This very night before a rooster crows twice, you will deny that you even know me three times. But Peter kept saying insistently, if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. All and all were saying the same thing as well. Who, who was saying it? All of them. All 12 of them. All of them, right? I don't know if Judas had left the, the, the table yet or not, 
But he heard the warning. Just let that sink in. Jesus warned all of them about what was about to happen. Then they went to a place called what? Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit down here until I've prayed. He took Peter and James and John with him. And he began to be deeply distressed and troubled, extremely anguished at the prospect of what was to come. Jesus knew that the cross was right ahead. And he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved and overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch. After going a little further, he fell to the ground, distressed by the weight of his spiritual burden. And he began to pray that if it were possible in the Father's will, the hour of suffering and death for the sins of mankind might pass from him. He was saying, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup of judgment away from me. He knew he was about to be judged for our sins. He was about to take upon his own self, his own body, spirit, and soul. He was about to take your judgment and my judgment upon himself. But he said, but not what I will, but what you will. And he came back and found them sleeping. <laughs> he found them what? Jesus ever told you to do something and he came back and found you asleep? And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? You ever been there where you're supposed to be doing something and then you're found nodding off? Are you asleep? Were you unable to keep watch for one hour? Keep actively watching and praying so that you do not come into temptation. Do you see what, what's happening here? Jesus had already told him the temptation was coming, but he's given him sort of a, a chance, right? Come and pray with me. And if you do what you need to do, you won't. You won't come into this temptation. We'll come back to that. See, we have, we have now we have the Holy Spirit who warns us of things that are coming. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And Jesus is saying, look, I've already told you the temptation that is coming. The temptation to deny me. It's right ahead. But I'm giving you an opportunity to not go there. Your spirit is willing. That's why he was like, I'll never do it, Jesus. But your body, your flesh, your willpower is weak. Right? Anybody ever been there? Okay, so he went again, away again and prayed, saying the same words. And again, he came back and found them sleeping because their eyes were very heavy. <laughs> they did not know how to answer him. <laughs> you ever been there too? And Jesus is like, hello. And you, you have 
nothing to say. He came back a third time and said, are you still sleeping and resting? Enough of that. Look, the hour has come. The son of man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let's go. My betrayer is near. At once, while he was still speaking, Judas Iscariot, one of the 12 disciples, came up and with him a crowd of men with swords and clubs who came from the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders of the Sanhedrin. Now the betrayer had given them a signal saying, whomever I kiss, he is the one. Seize him and lead him away safely under guard. See what Judas thought was going to happen? He thought they were just going to arrest him and lead him safely away. Sometimes when we give in to the temptation, we bite off more than we can chew. Judas didn't know what was totally about to happen. But when, Ju when Judas came, immediately he went up to Jesus and said, Rabbi, Master, hypocrite. <laughs> and he kissed him forcefully. It wasn't a hi, Jesus. It was a, <clears throat> like, I'm giving you away, right? They laid hands on him and seized him. But one of the bystanders, Simon Peter, by the way, <laughs> That's who it was. Drew his sword and struck Malchus, the slave of the high priest, and cut off his ear. Jesus said to them, have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me as you would against a robber? Day after day, I was with you teaching in the courts and porches of the temple. Like I was in public doing what I do all the time, and now you come in private to arrest me? Hmm. You didn't seize me then, but this has happened so the scriptures would be fulfilled. Then all of his disciples abandoned him and fled. How many of them? All right. I love this part. It's funny. It says a young man was following him. When you read John's gospel, you find out it's John. <laughs> A young man was following him, wearing only a linen sheet over his naked body. That's one way to wear pajamas. And some men seized him. But pulling free of the linen sheet, he escaped from them naked. It's kind of comical, but let me tell you, the enemy wants to expose you. <laughs> they led Jesus away to the high priest and all the chief priests and elders and scribes, Sanhedrin, Jewish high court gathered together. All right. A little bit more. Peter had followed him. Read that next phrase. Ay, ay, ay. See, John was almost naked, but he was close, close to Jesus. 
till they got scared. But Peter was following at a distance. Right into the courtyard of the high priest, and he was sitting with the officers, guards, and servants, and warming himself at the fire. Now the chief priests and the entire council, Sanhedrin, Jewish high court, were trying to obtain testimony against Jesus, which they could use to have him condemned and executed. But they weren't finding any. <laughs> For many people were giving false testimony against him, but their testimonies were not consistent. Some stood up and began to give false testimony. I'm sorry. Uh, some of them saying, were saying, we heard him say, I will destroy this temple, sanctuary that made with uh, hands, and in three days I'll build another made without hands. Not even in this respect was their testimony consistent, right? They were accusing Jesus, but even their testimonies weren't in agreement. The high priest stood up and came forward and asked Jesus, have you no answer to give in response to what these men are testifying against you? But Jesus kept silent and gave no answer at all. The very best response when you are being falsely accused is to shut it. But what do we do? The opposite. We turn it around and we accuse them. Right? We fight. We argue. We post. The very best thing you can do when somebody's talking trash about you well, if it's true, repent. But if it's not true, if it's true, repent. Sometimes publicly if you've been a public knucklehead, right? But, but if you're being accused or somebody's saying, people are saying stuff about you or trying to argue with you or criticize you, and it's just ignore them. Just ignore it. That was not part of the message, but I think that was pretty important. It says, Jesus kept silent and gave no answer at all. And again, the high priest was questioning him and saying, are you the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed, the son of the blessed one? Jesus said, I am. <laughs> and you will see all, you will all see the son of man seated with authority at the right hand of power, the father, and coming with the clouds of heaven, Right? I'm not only the Messiah who came, I'm the Messiah that's coming back. You better believe I am. Then tearing his robe to express indignation, the high priest said, what further need do we have of witnesses? You've heard this blasphemy, that is his claim to be the son of God. What is your decision? And they all condemned him to be guilty of deserving death, deserving of death. And some began to spit on him and to blindfold him and to beat him with their fists and to say to him, prophesy, tell us who hit you. Now they're just making fun. Then the officers who took, uh, the officers took custody of him and struck him in the face. Last paragraph. While Peter was down below <laughs> in the courtyard, one of the servant girls, come on, where was Peter? That, where, where was John by now? He ran off scared. I guess probably went to find him some undies. <laughs> or loincloth, or whatever you call it. But I'm sure he was looking for something. So John was off looking for him some underwear. Where was Peter? Down below. Wait, and where was Judas by now? 
We don't know exactly where, but we know what he was about to do. Come on, say Judas, John, Peter. Pastor Julian contrasted Mary and Judas. I'm going to contrast Judas, John, and Peter, okay? And it's not so much of a contrast. It's more of (laughs) they all kind of did the same, but we don't want to be like Judas for sure. (laughs) But we'll get there. Hold on. Where was John? Looking for chones. Where was Peter? Down below at a distance. And where was Judas? On his way to, on the way to commit suicide. Yep. So Peter was down below in the courtyard and one of the servant girls of the high priest came and when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked intently at him and said, you were with Jesus the Nazarene too. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you're talking about. <laughs> not only what, he didn't only just say, I, I wasn't with Jesus. I don't even know what you're talking about. He completely disassociated himself from Jesus. <laughs> then he went out to the courtyard, of, to the porch, and um, a rooster crowed. <laughs> The servant girl saw him and began once more to tell the bystanders, this man is one of them. But again, he denied it. After a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, you are in fact one of them, for it is clear from your accent that you are a Galilean too. I guess they, the Galileans talked country or something. I don't know. But he began to invoke a curse on himself. And to swear an oath. I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately a rooster crowed the second time and Peter remembered what Jesus said to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And thinking of this, he began weeping in anguish. And that concludes Mark 14. You ready for some takeaways? Sure. This isn't, these aren't necessarily fun takeaways, but it's going to help you out. Ready? The devil seeks to take each of us out. He wants to take you out. He wants to eliminate you. He wants to get rid of you. That's not something to smile about. That's like Jesus said twice. It says he solemnly spoke to them. I mean, I just want that to sink in today. The devil wants to take me out. He doesn't just want to hurt you. He doesn't just want to bother you. He wants to get rid of you. 
The devil seeks. He's actively trying to. It's not just something he wants to do. He's pursuing it. Like a lion seeking whom he may devour. He's hunting his prey. And you are on the radar. We don't normally tell each other stuff like this, but we ought to. Tell somebody, the devil wants to take you out. Oh, but God offers a way out. God always offers a way out. He even offered Judas a way out. He said, but it was in the scriptures it had to happen. Jesus knew it was going to happen, but he's still so good that he offered him a way out. Jesus knew Peter was going to deny him, but he still offered him a way out. Jesus knew John was going to run off streaking through Jerusalem. <laughs> Scared, but he offered him a way out. See, God, the devil is always trying to take us out and God's always offering us a way out. Don't you just love God's heart? God's intentions towards us? I mean, I've been reading Isaiah and Jeremiah. And God is saying, judgment is coming because of your idolatry, because of your refusal to turn from sin. You're going to be invaded. You're going to be exiled. You're going to be slaves again. But if you just turn back to me, I won't let it happen. This is right around the corner. You're going to be exiled to Babylon and you're going to all die there except a, f a chosen few. Just a few. They're going to be able to come back. But if you just repent, I will, I'll change my plan. I'll change my mind. Say, is God omniscient and sovereign and know what's going to happen? Absolutely. He knows what's going to happen. But we don't. Come on. But we don't. We only know Jesus, Judas betrayed Jesus because we read the rest. Nobody knew at the time. Judas didn't know all that was going to happen. It wasn't predestined like he had to. Now God knew he would. Jesus knew he would. But Jesus didn't make him do it. In fact, Jesus offered him a way out. Come on, tell somebody there's always a way out. Always. Always. You said back that up with scripture. Give me just a minute. The whole Bible, pretty much. But there's always a way out. God even gave Pharaoh in Egypt many chances to, to, to prevent all that had happened. Remember how mad Moses was? Because Pharaoh wouldn't listen to, in, in, until the death of all the firstborn. Did God know Pharaoh was going to reject him and never repent? He knew it, but he still gave him chances. This is the deal. 
Yes, God knows, but we don't. So there is no such thing as predestined sin. There's no such thing as it was going to happen anyway. No, it wasn't going to happen anyway. We choose. It's called free will. The the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It wasn't an apple that all of a sudden made Adam and Eve no good from evil. It was they took matters into their own hands and decided what was good from what was evil. What was right from what was wrong. And God said, if you eat of it, you'll surely die. I'm sure you'll die. You can't handle it. You can't handle this decision, what's right from wrong. Listen, look at here. None of us can handle the decision of deciding what's right from wrong. That's why God's given it to us so clearly in his word. Left up to me, most of the time, I probably go the wrong way. How about you? Thank God for his word. Thank God for his truth. Thank God for the Holy Spirit, our teacher, our helper. The devil wants to take us out, but God offers a way out always. Jesus, look at Jesus' heart. Just look at Jesus' heart. His intentions. So patient, so kind. You say, when when did Jesus give Judas a chance? At the Last Supper. Look, he told them all what was going to happen. One of you. (laughs) Listen, Judas already knew what he was thinking about. (laughs) He already knew what he was planning. If Jesus didn't care to offer a way out, why would he even say it? (laughs) He was offering Judas a chance to change his mind. You say, how, how do you know that? Read the Old Testament, there are several kings where God says, you're going to die because you are totally evil. And then they humble themselves and God says, never mind. I'm not going to do it. God wants to relent. His heart is always to get us out, to rescue us. He's a redeeming God. But the Paul is in our court, y'all. Jesus offered Judas a way out at the Last Supper. Judas, Judas could have changed his mind. Judas, uh, Jesus offered Peter and John a way out at Gethsemane. Peter and John could have prayed through with Jesus. Instead of taking a nap, three naps actually. They could have. Jesus even told Peter, Peter, come on, couldn't you pray for one hour? Like, come on, dude, I'm giving you a chance here. The other nine are over there. I only brought you three here. Like, I'm giving you an extra special chance. I gave everybody a chance at the Last Supper. I told y'all what was going to happen. And then I brought you here, right here in the garden to pray with me. 
See, this is the deal. Jesus did not lead them into sin. He simply knew that that's where they'd end up. <laughs> Jesus does not ever lead us into sin. In fact, the Bible says very clearly, he, he cannot. <laughs> it's not part of his character. He's totally good. God is totally good. It's what makes him holy. He's absolutely, totally, and completely good. There's nothing not good in God. So he cannot lead us into sin, but he does know we'll end up there. So he's constantly giving us chances so we won't be destroyed. First Corinthians 10, 13 says the temptations in your life are no different from what, other, what others experience. But I've heard, oh man, I can't tell you how many times I've heard Christians like act like their temptations are harder than everybody else. Come on. There may be different, a different type of temptation that each of us face, but all of us face the same thing. You just don't know how hard it is for me. Yeah, I do know. May not have been tempted always with the same thing, but if you, listen, this is a, this is a lie. My temptations are too hard to resist or to overcome. You're not tempted like me. It's easy for you to live like that, live holy. It's not easy for me. You don't face what I face. We don't all face the same circumstances, but we all face the same devil. We don't all face the same circumstances, but we all face the same devil and his one and only weapon to whip us with is lies. The only authority Satan has in our life is when we believe his lies. The devil lies to me like the devil lies to you. And in different seasons and times in your life, he'll lie to you differently. He'll tell you a bunch of lies and if, if you discover the way out, he'll back off. And he'll come back with a different one. But the temptation in your life is no different from what others experience. Don't ever, ever believe the lie. This is one of the lies. <laughs> that they can live for God and I just can't. Don't believe that. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. That's another. It just, I couldn't. I just couldn't. Actually, you could. You just didn't. I know I, was, I just couldn't resist. Actually, I could have resisted. I just didn't. It was stronger than me. It was stronger than me because I believed it was. It is stronger. Temptation is always stronger than me. But I'm connected to the stronger one. 
Nothing stronger than him. So when I embrace that as, you know, this is just too much for me. It shows where my faith is. Because nothing's too much for him. And the Bible says I am more than a conqueror through him who loves me. I'm not more than a conqueror because I'm awesome and because I have good willpower. I'm not more than a conqueror. For any reason of my own. I'm more than a conqueror because I'm connected to the one who loves me and the one who's stronger than all of it. The temptations in your life are no different than what others, from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, not if you are tempted, when you are tempted, we all get tempted. He will show you a way out so that you can endure. But this is the deal. Jesus wants to help us make the right choices. He will always show us the way to go, but he will never force us. Sometimes I wish he just forced me. <laughs> but he won't. That's not that's not God's character. We're not robots. If he forced me to obey, that would disqualify me from loving him. It's not love. His heart towards me is always to show me the right way to go, but he'll never make me do it. But some of you need to grab a hold of this. There will never, ever in your life be a situation, a circumstance, a temptation where there's not a way out. Because it says God provides it. Yeah? God doesn't just provide money. <laughs> that, he's a provider in so many ways. He doesn't just provide money and stuff. He even provides for us the way out when we need to get out of temptation. Okay, you ready? We're, we're gonna start to land this thing. Ready? Judas betrayed Jesus and committed suicide. Peter followed from a distance and denied Jesus. John followed more closely but ran away scared, right? So one betrayed Jesus and killed himself. Another followed, but not close enough, so in order to save face, he denied Jesus. He disassociated with Jesus. And one followed a little more closely, but he got scared. Here's the difference. You ready? Here's the difference. Peter and John kept following Jesus. Even after that, despite their weakness and despite their utter failure, they kept on following Jesus. 
they encountered the resurrected Jesus because they kept on. They didn't go and hang themselves like Judas. It says Peter wept bitterly and John ran away naked, but Judas was dead. Listen, this is, this is all about to get tied together. You ready? Okay. Some of you are going to say, I think I've heard this before. You have. Liz preached it. <laughs> this is the deal. Peter and John eventually got filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> are, you, are you seeing here? Peter and John kept on following Jesus. In fact, the 11 minus Judas, right? They kept on. And Peter and John, because they were still there together, they were there at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came. And they got filled with power to overcome temptation. They didn't have that power yet. That's why John ran away scared. Peter denied Jesus. And Judas hung himself. Peter and John kept following Jesus. They eventually got, I know I'm saying it again, but they eventually got the Holy Spirit. Judas didn't follow long enough to get what it took. Neither of the three had what it took. They all needed the Holy Spirit. Judas didn't follow Jesus long enough. He didn't make it. Listen, some of you, I'm warning you, if you only plan to follow Jesus, or if you feel like I'm going to follow him as long as it doesn't cause me much trouble, you're not going to make it. And I hope you don't hang yourself, but I'll tell you this. In the end, if you only follow Jesus for a little while, you don't follow him until the end, you will die in your sin. Here's what Liz, Pastor Liz taught us a couple of months ago. The key to all of this is, the key to winning the battle is sticking with Jesus and sticking together. See, they didn't just stick with Jesus. They didn't just keep following Jesus even after they royally screwed up. They stayed together and waited because Jesus told them to wait. And then they got the Holy Spirit. And the rest is history. Peter and John did it. Jesus did not. Peter and John and the other nine stuck with Jesus. Listen, even reading the other Gospels, even Thomas, who was like, I need to see the holes in his hands to believe. But he didn't leave. Do you see? But he didn't leave. I mean, do you have doubts? I have doubts, but I ain't going nowhere. I already know the one I've believed in. I've seen enough <laughs> to not abandon him because I don't understand some things. 
Because I have some doubts. I've seen enough. The cross is enough, y'all. And Peter and John and the rest of them did. Judas didn't. Eleven of the twelve got the Holy Spirit and turned the world upside down. And Judas. As Pastor Julian taught us, his legacy was death, cemetery. All right, here it is. Notice, the trouble came when Judas left the group to do his own thing. Wasn't that. I was stepping on my own feet. Because the devil will tell you, just do your own thing. They don't understand you. They don't see what you see. They don't know what you've been through. They can't connect with you. The trouble came when Judas left the group to do his own thing. Notice... The tr- listen, the trouble came when the dis- disciples scattered on that night rather than sticking together. But the Holy Spirit came when they were back together again. We need a non-negotiable commitment to Jesus and to each other if we're going to win this thing. I don't know about you, but I'm in it to win it. It's too much sacrifice and suffering to follow Jesus only for a little while and then end up in hell. Come on, y'all. If we're going to win this thing, Our commitment to Jesus and to one another, his people, his church, his family, has to be non-negotiable. Again, as Liz taught us, Jesus and his body are not disconnected. Jesus and his bride are one. Jesus and his family are a thing. Can't separate them. We have to be able to say, not because I'm strong, but because I'm connected. Not my commitment to Jesus has nothing to do with the way I feel today. Has nothing to do with the circumstances surrounding what, whatever I'm going through. Come on, their master, their teacher was about to be crucified has nothing to do with what people have done to me or said about me. My commitment to Jesus must be, (laughs) I will never ever stop following him no matter what, period. And this is one people don't get. I will not disconnect from his people, his body, no matter what. 
because if we're going to win it, we've got to be in it together. Listen, that's when the Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit came on Pentecost. They were all together. The Holy Spirit comes. Listen, I, b- I believe this. We have prayed this. I, this morning in our prayer meeting, I could just sense the Holy Spirit just like, you know, in Genesis it says he was like hovering, brooding of the waters, just waiting for the word. He's, he's moving over us. He's brooding over us because we're together in this thing. Something big is coming, y'all. A big revival is coming. But if you are off doing your own thing, you will miss it. You will miss it. hard to move forward in moments like this because I can feel the presence of God like a weight like in a good way the fear of the Lord is here I just need to respond to that even right there where you're sitting right now maybe you just want to go ahead and Come to the altar if you need to. Get on your knees. Get on your face. Go out into the aisle. Do whatever you need. Jesus is calling us today to an undying, non-negotiable commitment to him and to his people. Just very briefly, while everyone is still seated, today you need to give your life to Jesus listen if you're here today and you have not surrendered your life to him today repent of your sin turn away from sin turn away from this world believe that he died and carried your sin upon himself believe he rose from the grave Surrender completely to Jesus. Make him the Lord of your life. Just a minute, just another minute. I want to have everybody stand. But if that's you, if you need to be born again today, if you say, I, listen, if you've never given your life to Jesus or at some point you gave your life to Jesus, but you have not really been following Jesus, but you say, today, I want to follow Jesus. Would you just stand? If that's you, just stand up. Praise the Lord. Who else says that's me? Come on, I'm not going to embarrass you. We're all going to stand up in a minute, but if that's you, say, I I want to really, really give my life to Jesus. Anybody else? Okay, before we all stand, 
if you have been following him from a distance, and you know what that means, sort of halfway in, halfway out, you're in danger. And he wants you all in today. If today you would like to make the decision before God, I'm all in. Not at a distance, up close. I'm all in. If that's you, you want to make that decision, would you also stand to your feet? All right. Come on, this is not, this is not for people. This is for you and God. Here's another one. If you've been following it, if you have been following Jesus, but you are scared, you're scared of what other people might think or do or say about you. But today, today, you want to make a decision. I lay down totally what other people think of me and I'm going to follow Jesus even though I'm scared even though it's risky I'm going to follow Jesus anyway if that's you stand to your feet all right everybody in the room let's just let's just let's just pray this together Jesus I surrender Jesus I give myself fully to you I believe you died for me you rose for me and you call me to follow you Jesus I decide to follow you today. I repent of my sins. I turn my heart completely over to you. Now this is very important. Come on, let's pray. Help me, Holy Spirit. Come on, say it in your own words, something like this. I can't do it by myself. I can't do it alone. I need you, Holy Spirit. I need you, Holy Spirit. Help me. Not just in reverence for the presence of God, I want to ask if we could have just for a couple of minutes avoid moving around, going in and out. As the worship team comes back, I want to ask everyone just to stand and begin to make your own um, declaration to begin to respond in your own way. to the word of God today. Even during worship, the 
Holy Spirit began to move in this way, but I, I believe the anointing is here. There's an anointing for deliverance today. Some of you have been in the devil's trap. Maybe you realize today why you've been trapped. It all gets resolved by following Jesus. Listen, his anointing, his power, his Holy Spirit will set you free from the trap. But you have to give him your whole heart, your whole life, every part. So as we sing this song, as we go back into a couple of minutes of just pressing into his presence and worship, if you want to ask God for freedom from the enemy's trap, maybe you could come here to the front and just begin to cry out to Jesus. His presence, his anointing is here to set you free. Maybe it's some sort of addiction or maybe it's simply some lie, just some little seemingly minuscule lie you've been believing, but it's been trapping you. Today is a day in his presence to be free. Freedom only comes through surrender. Freedom only comes when we totally surrender every part of us to him. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.